Hello and welcome to the Indie Alternative Podcast. It's me, Chris. Slightly different episode this week as I'm trying something new and by speaking to newly signed or emerging bands and artists in the indie alternative sort of genre, if you like. So on this episode, I'm joined by Ryan Kershaw, um, who has got quite an interesting story to tell, which I'll leave for the interview itself. He's got a single coming out on the 4th of November and an album due in January. Um, I'll put links to all his music in the show notes. And at the end of the interview, we'll play you a bit of a snippet of that new single, which is due out on the 4th, called Doors of Perception. Before we hit the interview, just a quick reminder of all the ways that you can support this podcast. You can follow me on social media and all the links are in the show notes. Also, if you want to support financially, you can do. You can buy me a virtual coffee and that link is also in the description. And lastly, if you haven't written a review or rated the podcast, if you could do that, that would be amazing. Anyway, here's Ryan. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan Kershaw. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, thanks for joining me. Um, yeah, thanks very much for having us. You've had an exciting sort of road or, or interesting road, I guess, becoming a, a signed musician. But before we sort of tackle like, well, the journey that you've been on, you've got a, an album coming out, uh, well, a new album you've recorded. Um, everything has led to this. Yes. And this is yes. your, what, how many albums is it, are we into now? This, this is the debut. This the, is debut. the debut. But you've done yeah. EPs and singles previously. Yeah, I've done. Like, um, I was working with a, a label up in Scotland um, before um, the, the label I'm working with now. Um, and with them, I've done a couple of singles and a music video, but unfortunately, it didn't quite get released because, as I said, as, as I'll tell the story, we sort of changed a different record label and then we couldn't use that, that sort of yeah. those, um, recordings anymore. So, yeah, I had some experience before. before um, getting sort of signed and then we'd, at the moment we just we just finished recording the album um I would say mid-August we just sort of finished getting all the masters together and things like that um now it's been now it's available for pre-order on vinyl and, and the, the vinyl the, the, the vinyl situation yeah. as I talked to lots of guests that must be like mm. a dream come true vinyl yeah it's it's, it's <laughs> it, it really is I'm a big I'm a big vinyl collector you know yeah. I've got at least, at least four or five thousand records that I've collected over the years and yeah, that's, that's the one thing that I think most artists want is to have their own record and in their own collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, tell us a story about how how this happened then, because it's quite an interesting story. You, you've you've been a musician all your life, and you've you know you've been a yeah. songwriter and guitarist. But this this so being signed to Red Tangent is is an interesting, and they've got an interesting project. But talk us through it. Yeah, well, I was a I did I was a musician when I was younger, um, trying to trying to get somewhere, writing my own songs and recording and separate, like acoustic duets and things like that. And eventually I just sort of hung my guitar on the wall. It was just become a hobby. At the end of the day, I didn't have time. I was working, married, kids. And then about three years ago, I made a life-changing error <laughs> mm. where I, um, I, I placed an order online for um, pepper spray, not knowing the legal consequences of doing so mm-hmm. and i just just from there it was just a, a whirlwind of carnage you know i just mm. my whole life fell fell apart and i ended up um, actually getting a, a custodial sentence so i ended up losing my my career my job my 
I thought my family, you know, thought that mm. that was at the end of the end of the world. But music was sort of a a lifeline as such, you know. I, I I was able to get a hold of a guitar and become the music ambassador while I was in prison, and I wrote a body of songs that I actually enjoyed playing. And the feedback that I was getting from people were just like, "That's brilliant, write more." And I just kept on writing these songs. And when I when I got home, um, two or three years ago, um, my my friend sent me a a newspaper clipping of it was a, a record label in Glasgow called Conviction Records and they were doing a similar sort of project where they were looking for people who had been through the, the sort of justice system that were finding it difficult to get in the music industry and I, 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 I had really rough demo, demos on a, an iPad mm. sent them over to um, Eric McClellan who was the he was the A&R specialist for Warner and Sire Records and they liked what they heard and from there, I started working with them for a couple of years. And then, as you said, then Red Tangent came on the scene about six, seven months ago. And they, mm. they really, really sort of seemed to get my music, understand what I was trying to do and was able to invest time and money into actually making it a reality. So I ended up signing with Red Tangent Records back in March. And it's been brilliant ever since. And Red Tangent is sort of an offshoot of like... Um... The music in prisons charity is it sort of changing tunes yeah yeah so changing tunes is the big charity down there and um, that's run by david jones he's the ceo and he they done like a sister project a side project where it was red tangent records and myself and there's another band called the whack therapists if you've heard of them they're they're um fantastic yeah. really good band um and a few other artists that they have Signed, but I, I don't know where they are in the, the, the process of releasing singles or anything like that. But mm. I've I've really sort of worked hard the past six months to try and meet deadlines. That's the hardest thing at the moment is trying to meet deadlines. I mean, this album was supposed to be launching in the summer, and now right. it's been launched in January the twentieth, I believe, is when it's going to be launched on streaming platforms. Well, it's been a difficult few years to get anything done. Something happened. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with um. With the signing then, and this sort of like being a, being able to record this music in a way that you you would not have been able to do prior, you know, having the investment, having the the other musicians coming in, and add depth to everything. I mean, how from sort of your own rough versions and your demos and what's in, even in your head, the final product. I mean, how has it evolved? How did it evolve over that period of time? Oh, it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. I was listening to them all demos last week. You can definitely hear what I was trying to achieve, but you can't really imagine what it's going to be like in reality. But when we went into the studio, we had like myself on guitar, we had cellos, violins, double bass, guys were coming in and, and putting their, their stamp on the album as well. And because when you, when you hear it at first, you think, Oh, I don't know if I like that or not, because you're so used to hearing it a certain way, mm. but it grows on you. And then, and then you start the songs that you don't like become your favorite song. You know, it's, it's um it's a really interesting process. So how how would you describe your music to uh, anyone who's not heard it before? That's a, that's the hardest question because always when you when you have these sort of online sort of profiles, what's your music genre? I, I'm always stuck as to what to put because my first single that's getting released is quite a rocky song. The rest of the songs on the album are kind of laid back, acoustic strings, but I don't know what genre to put on it. It's like alternative folk pop 
rock and alternative indie. It's, it's I don't know. Have, have you? I sent a few songs to yourself. What What would you say? Yeah, oh, it, oh, that I was just wanting to know what you thought because it's hard to pin yeah. down. There's so it many. Really you can really hear some your influences right front and center, but you've got your own voice definitely comes through. And um, but yeah, that you know without you know when everyone says you know he's a singer songwriter, there's always sometimes in some audiences a sharp intake of breath because they expect something that's you know maybe just a little bit uh, coffee table you know from a yeah. you know the, without saying james blunt and other yeah. artists you know but i think yeah. we've moved on as a job that genre in itself has moved on so much that it's there's yeah. so much depth to what you've done and you can hear yeah. the influences as you say you know like um um with the with the with the folk elements um with the strings and just the depth um, you know, yeah. there's bits of Damien Rice in there. You know, you yeah, said definitely. about McRae and 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 everything yeah. else, but you can hear it all coming through. I mean, so yeah. who were your influences before? You know, you know when you were first started to, to sort of play. First started to play, it was it was down to the Beatles. The Beatles were my biggest influence when I was ten. If you remember a film called um, was it Backbeat. It yeah. was about Stuart Sutcliffe, the fifth Beatle, and my sister went to go and see that in the pictures, and she brought home a cassette. She played that, and I was like, "Oh, what's that you're listening to?" And it was like the, it was the Beatles, and um, and then my uncle he plays guitar, and he could play all the Beatles songs, and I just thought that was the best thing ever. And he was taught me how to play Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and then that was me. I just obsessed with the guitar ever since. So and it was definitely the Beatles, and then it, it grew from there into like the Doors, Pink Floyd, and your usual sort of psychedelic rock, you know. Were you, are you self-taught, or did you get lessons? Um, I think I, I was self-taught originally, and I think I went to lessons for about four or five months when I was younger to actually yeah, make music. Yeah. But but it was the age I was at. I was like 13, 14. I was too interested in going out and playing with my friends and doing whatnot. So I just, from there on, it was, yeah, self-taught. And so when you were, you know, serving and you were inside, in terms of the songwriting elements there, what were you drawing on? I mean, obviously... It's, yeah, well, that, it's, that's, that's a great... Difficult to put yourself in that position because obviously, you know, having I've not been in that position and lots of others haven't, but you having had the time in isolation, if so to speak, and having time to reflect, what are you drawing on in those situations? Yeah, I mean, you're you're basically drawn on obviously the way I was feeling at the time because I'd lost so much and I just was longing for to have your, your, your dignity is totally stripped of you. You know, I was. Mm. I had I, I was in a comfortable position where I could do anything I really wanted or go anywhere I wanted, and then all of a sudden, you've got to ask permission to get a glass of water. You know, it's mm. it's um it's it's tricky, but the ideas mostly came from trying to remember songs that I love and trying to work them out on the guitar. So you've not got YouTube. If I want to play a song right now, I go on YouTube. Two seconds later, I've got the chords if I need them, or I can just type in chords or guitar tablature and learn how to play it in five minutes no problem you don't have that so in trying to trying to find the proper chords and notes to learn a song that you love you end up coming up with something else mm. and go no oh, that sounds good and then you sort of so sort of rebuild a song that you're trying to remember in your head it's different it's, it's weird because <laughs> the songs that um, you sent me that i listened to from the record it's not they're not I guess they're looking outwards as well. There's there's positive um, messages and everything that you've sent me and sort of, you yeah. know, it's not a doom and gloom album, is it? Um, no, but, and I think that's because you're hearing the final product. People have always said about my music, it's very depressing, it's very sad. Can you not do a rocky one? 
but it's just me and the guitar. When they're hearing it's just me and the guitar, putting all my emotion I can into the song to make it beautiful. But then when you've got it actually recorded and the drums and the bass and all that, the, the song tone totally changes. Yeah. And it's something, it's something else. And the, the songs have all become, I mean, I never used to be a fan of more music, but there's not a bad song on this album, in my opinion. You know, it has got it has got potential to do well. It just needs to be heard by the right people at the right time. Same as yeah. anything, you know. Which is the, the the most difficult part is that then you got to you know the marketing and then how you how you then get in in front of all the other people that have got music released. Yeah, when, you know, just speak. I just I, I I sort of speak to as many people as I can and probably talk too much about my music, but it opens up doors. <laughs> Um, as I said today, I just I just got back from Bristol today. I was shooting the first video, music video for the first single, um, the, the the doors of perception. That's what the first single is called. And um, we're shooting the first video, and I phoned a friend who lives in Bristol, who was an actor, and he does it. He works in TV and film, and I said, "Do you have any experience in writing sort of storyboards?" And then he he got back to me and says, "Well, guess what? I've got your Studio Six in the Bottle Yard Studios." So that's where the film all sort of tipping point and deal or no deal and all those kind of programs. Oh, cool. <laughs> then, then eventually we ended up getting a whole production team in and, you know, my friend Andrew, he um, directed it and his partner Gemma produced it and it was just a fantastic experience. And that's that's purely, I got that experience through luck, talking to people who I knew about my music and then they were willing to help out. And so the, when can we see the video and when, when's the single released? The, the first single is released, I believe, on November the 4th, if that's the Friday. It's November the 4th. And then a week later, you'll have the lyric video. And then a week after that will be the premiere of the music video. And so what's the future then, do you think? And then obviously you've been signed. And so you'll be, I guess, back at the, at some point, back at back at the pen and paper and writing. And how, I am, how... Yeah, I'm, I'm still writing just now. As I'm, I've got a, I've got a bank of songs there, a, a two or three that I've written in the last month or two that I feel are, really strong got a lot of strong potential um but going forward over the next three months it's mostly just i've got three singles coming out in the album launch and then from there it's really trying to get myself a a manager i've been a booking and a sort of people who can help with booking and things like that because of my my genre of music it's very difficult to find people places that suit that sort of sound yeah, um, and where people want to hear it, you know, it's 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 a it's hard, but I've got I've got a lot of confidence in thinking it it will do well. I'd like to. There is talk of a tour, um, but it, again, it just depends on how how well things go over the next three months. Yeah, this that was my next question about performing live because I've seen some pictures of yourself with the full bands and you know you're a celloist yeah. and a and a violinist and stuff. And when you're writing now and, and you know you say obviously a guitarist and a songwriter, it's very hard to put it down. You've always constantly got ideas. But are you thinking of a bigger sound now when you when you're sort of in that writing process based on the experiences you've just had in the studio? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I always did have the bigger ideas when I was writing the first load of songs, I can remember um, letting my friend hear the, the original demos. And as I, as I was listening to it, I was trying to explain how the strings will go and how this will happen. And, mm. you know, it's sort of trying, trying to bring the song to life as such. Um, but definitely I'm, I'm the two or three songs that I've written recently. That's the first thing I thought of was like, right, how can I make this nice? So the strings were going to sound beautiful and, who do you kick back and listen to when you've got downtime? 
I said, well, well, my input's very different from my output. I mean, I can I listen to anything from Blind Willie McTell through to System of a Down. You know, it's a really wild, eclectic taste in music. But Neil Young is a, a, a big go-to. I, lo- I love Neil Young. It was The Doors for years. Not so much now, but I, I still love The Doors. Um, Sufjan Stevens is a huge... Huge um, influence, and, and, and I like listening to him a lot. And of course, Tom McRae. I was at his concert on Sunday night there in King Tut's in Glasgow, um, and he's still got it. You know, it's. I think the first time I seen him was 21 years ago. Oh wow! And, um, yeah, and that's. I went to go and see him last week, and it was fantastic. My my ideal goal would be this time, this time next year, to possibly get on tour with somebody else as a support act or something like that. You know, I, I understand that me going on his tour as a headline act is not realistic at all yeah but i mean the other side of things as well to consider is publishing and getting your songs to get in order for them to get used in those situations because they're how how accessible your music is is Mm -hmm. that is the publishing side of things of getting it on a television program getting on an advert getting in a film and that's once you've kind of mastered the publishing side of things i think it opens up so many other avenues and which is something we it's so hard to to push through but i think what what you have is that is the story and that's mm-hmm. there's, there's that element to it which is i think w- would be you know fair you know interesting and attractive to to lots of people yeah definitely definitely yeah. and this, this, the songs um i try and write sort of the song so that anybody who listens to it can relate to something in their sort of life but they yeah. do listen to songs like I've got a song called Breaking Down the Walls on the album. And I, I, I actually wrote that song about 20, 15, 20 years ago when I was when I was in my twenty, in my early 20s. Yeah. And, and um, I can remember recently doing a, a, an interview and they said to me, oh, that song, Breaking Down the Walls, that's you about, that's probably about you and feeling isolated. And, and I'm like, no, that was written way before that. So it was how people can listen to a song and perceive it one way. And... Other people can listen to it and perceive it another, but as long as I can make that connection, I think that I should do okay. And those older songs and stuff that you've got in your sort of back catalogue on your, your notebook, are you reaching into that and just with another with fresh eyes as well? Now that you've kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. The first the first single, "The Doors of Perception," was again a saw a song that I, I'd done maybe fifteen years ago, but the chorus was totally different. And when I brought it back out the closet, I started playing it, and my friend was like, "No, you should try this. Try and make it do this," and then. Mm. I, I just experimented and I, I ended up writing a really good chorus and it became the, the catchiest sort of thing on the album. So there's three singles between now and January the 20th. That's when the album the album launches. Because the album launch has to be teased, doesn't it, for the singles? It does, it does. <laughs> and I think there's, there's, there's certain timescales and schedules that record labels like to, to stick to, you know. Yeah. Just, and, and independent, you can just, there it's finished, release it that night and that's it done. But yes, yeah, it's it's, and it, it's a good way of doing it, I think, as well, because it certainly keeps me busy. I mean, I've got this single launch coming up, and and I know the record label is going to be launching it and promoting it, etc. But I've, I'm still submitting my songs to ten, fifteen places a day, just just trying to get heard, trying to get reviewed, trying to get people to listen and blog about it and things like that. Because you had a, a really um... Uh, interesting and decent article in the Guardian, which was which was a really good uh, bit of exposure too. Did you get a lot off that back of that? 
Um, I got a few YouTube followers. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that was that was. Uh, there a couple of one in the Guardian. There was a a couple in the Herald as well, um, and a few other um, press releases. And the press releases, some more, have just went out last week as well. But yeah, that was good getting in the Guardian because they used my picture as the the headline yes. shot as well on stage. Yeah, so yeah, I was quite quite pleased with that. That 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 was actually a picture from them. I was playing a gig. Back in June, down at the Bristol Beacon, um, that was sort of the the Red Tangent Records launch night, and it was um, yeah, it was really successful. Yeah, and it was the first time really playing on stage with live strings and a full live band. So I've just been playing myself in a, or a, or an acoustic sort of duet for a long time. And so there were the, the the kind of rehearsal space for that. How long did it take you to sort of get sort of get pre- prepared with the full band? We had we had three hours to be honest the night before. Oh right. <laughs> yeah, we had three hours the night before. But luck, luckily, the the people who were playing the strings, it was the same couple, M Seven duo. They're called. It was they were the ones that played on the album. Right. So they knew the song. It was the same with the backing vocalist. She played on the album, so it was she was so it was just a matter of fact of getting the drummer, bass, and some some secondary guitar parts in there yeah so. well it's but amazing I, when you're dealing with professional musicians it's amazing how much they can actually just do on the night obviously because of the record labels in bristol and most of the musicians are down there i'm trying to put a band together up, up here as well and um, so i do have guys who can play drums bass and guitar but i don't have the strings or the the, the backing vocalist the backing vocalist rachel who sang on my album i've she was, she's absolutely fantastic. She really is. And it's difficult to find somebody who can step into your shoes up yeah. here. But I will, I'm going to look for a more permanent band up here. Well, I'll have to if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm going to start gigging more. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm going to have to do that. It's, it's going to sound different from the album, but I, I like that element of it. I like just like it was exciting playing that gig because I, I knew I only had two or three hours rehearsal time and then we were just going to play it. There was one song that I wasn't even going to play. I was like, we can't play this. It was terrible. And then we played it on the night and it was the best song that we played. It was just, <laughs> that's how, that's how, that's the, it was, yeah. that's how good things happen. You just wing it and see, and just go with it. And that's how amazing things happen. I found. <laughs> You've got to wing it. Yeah. You, exactly. Especially, yeah. Especially when it's your music. Cause you, if, if, if no one's heard it before, they're not going to know, are they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, you, and you, the thing that was hard as well was to put a final stop on when to stop recording or when to stop me- messing about with the, the um the structure of the song or the where where this sound because if you don't put a stop to it you will never ever finish a song you just want to keep chopping and changing it forever yeah so you just need to, it's a, it's a gamble you just need to go okay let's go with it and see what happens yeah. well it's a great it's a great story Ryan I wish you all the best with it and um really looking forward to um obviously the songs I've heard I've really enjoyed and looking forward to hearing the the whole thing as soon as I can in, in well in yeah, January brilliant. Yeah, thank you. It's going to be on the streaming platforms in January. You can pre-order it now on vinyl. So if anybody wants to help my campaign, there's 100 limited edition copies um, available. I think there's about 70 left at the present. So that was launched last week. So um, on Digger Factory or RyanKershaw.com, you can certainly pre-order that. Thanks so much for, for talking to us, Ryan. Yes, thank you very much. spinning round my head and I can't breathe the dog
Doors of perception opening And I can see I can see Take a leaf out of his book And come with me I will think of you 